the gospel lifestyle. Nowadays, everybody has a lifestyle, don't they? That they adhere to. They, they want to put their name to something that they are or that they're part of. They have a lifestyle. We see that with all these different agendas nowadays, especially in the homosexual community. I was looking the other day at, at how they describe themselves nowadays, and it is with a list of letters so long that I didn't even want to write it down and tell it to you because it doesn't make any sense. It's almost the alphabet. They, and they, they, want to, they want to identify themselves with a lifestyle. They want people to know this is what I am. Well, the scripture teaches us not only that those things are wrong, but there is a lifestyle by which we should live. There's a lifestyle that is not selfish. There is a lifestyle that is loving. And if we look and check our hearts, we would all be guilty, I believe, of breaking this type of lifestyle that Christ has given to us. The early church knew it well and they practiced it. And they set a, they set a tenor for us or a tone or a path for us that we should march in and continue on in. Verse 45, it says this, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now let me do a very, very quick recap. 42 through 45, or 42 through 44, very quickly. What was the early church doing? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Remember that? So the very first thing is that they were what? Learning God's word. Y'all remember? They were united in holy communion at the Lord's table. Fellowshipping together, taking of bread, united at at the Lord's holy communion at his table. They were together having all things in common. They weren't selfish. It wasn't all about this one or all about that one. They were sharing and giving. They had all things in common. Why? Because they loved each other. There was agape, this agape love that was there present in the early New Testament church. So all of these things so far that we see seem fairly simple. He's not asking us to jump over, jump over hoops, is he? Jump through hoops, jump underneath them, slide underneath them. He's not asking us to do none of those things. He's not telling us to have a carnival inside the church when we meet, is he? What's he telling us to do? The apostles' teachings, the breaking of bread, pray, believing and being together, and having all things in common. That's what he's told us to do so far. That's giving to one another and helping one another out. I don't see anything in this passage of Scripture about a carnival or lights, cameras, and actions, and a smoke fog all up in the church and all of these different rock stuff. And I don't see none of that. What do we see? We see the New Testament church adhering to God's Word, staying together, eating together, taking the Lord's Supper together. Worshiping together. They had all things in common. And this is the gospel lifestyle. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. But the gospel doesn't stop there. 
There's a lifestyle that we are to live by, a code that we're to live by. It's a lifestyle. Now we come to 45 through 47. And the first thing that we see, and I think this is so important because this is really going really to prick some hearts because it does mine. The first thing that we see after teaching the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, teaching the Lord's Supper, after being together, having all things in common, the next thing that we see is money being mentioned. Things being mentioned. Why do you think that is? I'll tell you why it is. Because it's important. You know that most marriages end because of money? (laughs) Most fights in marriages are over what? Money. Materials. All these different things. And so what's the Lord fixing to show us here? What is Luke writing down for us? What is he showing us? We're going to see its place among the believers. Now, nobody really likes talking about money. It's my money. It's my money. It's my money. It's my money. It's your money. It's my money. Don't talk about my money. But we have to if we're going to be the church. In the gospel lifestyle, we have to learn How to deal with money. How to be stewards over it. So let's talk about money. Money, money. (laughs) People need it. People want it. Do you want money? Of course. Do you need money? Absolutely. It's a currency that we buy, sell, and trade with, right? So we want it, we need it, people love it, some will even sell out morally for it, to obtain it. We know according to scripture that the love for for money is the root of all sorts of evil. That's scripture. That's true. We can't get around that. A lot of times people's motives and their ambitions are traced back. If you trace them back, you will see that a lot of times it goes back to the love of the dollar. Blood has been spilt since as far as history can go back. I mean, blood has been spilt over riches. So it's no coincidence that after we see all of these things that's given to us, these simple things that's given to us in 42, 43, and 44, it's no coincidence that after that we see the selling off of possessions, the giving away of things. Because it has everything to do with the heart and everything to do with the gospel lifestyle. Everything. The apostles' teachings, the unity, the fellowship at the Lord's table... The agape love, and then all of a sudden, the next thing that we see is financial transactions taking place. Right? Why? I'll tell you why. Because it is absolutely critical in the New Testament church 
to deal with finances. It's critical. You have to do it. The early church was not commanded. Now pay attention. The early church was not commanded to give. There was not a law saying you have to give this amount to be part of this organization. There was not a law given that said you must sell out everything to be with us. But rather it was done out of a cheerful heart according to scripture. Right? It was done out of a cheerful heart. Led by the Spirit, which obviously flows down from our head, Christ Jesus. So we have this mind. Our head of the church, the head of this government, the church is is Christ Jesus. And and through the Spirit it flows down to us and it shows us. and, And we have this discernment on how to give, where to give, when to give, and why. The early church's love for Christ and the gospel naturally prompted them to do what we see in 45 through 47. They couldn't help but to give. They wanted to because they loved Jesus. Did everyone sell their homes? No. Some did. It's true, some did. If everyone would have sold them their homes, they would have had nowhere to meet because most of them met in homes, according to 46. It says that they were meeting in their homes and eating and, and taking bread. Did some sell their homes? Absolutely. They gave it to the church. Some sold land, some sold possessions and all these different things. Their belongings is what 45 says. This infant early church realized that for the gospel, that they loved so much and they loved the gospel, they loved it so much that for for its sake, for that cause, for that cause, to spread across the Jewish frontier, to spread across what they knew to be a world that was lost, they knew it would require self-sacrifice. And with self-sacrifice, you cannot have selfishness. You can't. 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings. You look that up, that's lands and houses and valuables, you know, gold, silver, anything that had value, anything that they could get uh, something from to, to help others with, But one thing I want you to notice is that the things that they once held on to was now being what? Turned loose. Once they were holding on to these things, now they're being turned loose. Their hands went from closed to what? Open. The New Testament church in this gospel lifestyle, it shows us clearly that Christians, children of God, should have hands that are not closed and selfish, but hands that are open. Now, I'm not preaching about 
giving unto the ministry, sowing seeds into this ministry so that like on TBN you'll receive all this other stuff. No, I'm saying this is part of the gospel lifestyle. This is how we characterize children of God. We see them taking bread together. We see them reading and understanding the the apostles' teachings together. We see them fellowshipping together, eating together with one another, loving on one another. But we also see them meeting needs and taking care of those that have needs. And this is what the church is called to do. It's what the church is called to. The apostles weren't telling them to do these things, guys. Their hearts were full. And this was an overflow of the heart and obviously a sign of their love for Christ and his gospel message. They were giving and giving and going to these far means and giving and giving and giving. Their possessions, their belongings... Some were selling their, their whole houses. Their houses. Some selling lands. Everything they had. Some precious belongings, gold, silver, jewelry, anything that had value they were selling. The question is, does the Lord require us to sell everything we have and to give it now? Let's talk about it. Does he he require us to sell everything that we have and give it to the church? No, not necessarily. We're going to get into that. Just pay attention to me. The early church needed resources. The early church needed these resources and these resources were given. If it was a requirement for all of us to sell our homes and to sell our lands, then we would all be nomads. True or not true? But that wasn't a, that's not a requirement. The scripture teaches us that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And we have to remember that in this infant state of the church, that extraordinary things were taking place. Yes, they were setting a standard for us in the gospel lifestyle. But it doesn't mean that we have to sell out unless the Lord is requiring of that of you. Does he still lay that on people's hearts to do? Sure, sure. Do people still sell out for the gospel and go and serve and and do things? Absolutely. But here, even in the infant church, this New Testament church, not everybody was selling their homes. Not everybody was selling their lands. They were getting rid of stuff and bringing in finances so the church could then distribute it. The church needed resources. So if if the Lord lays it on a person's heart to go and do something like that, I would pray that you would do that. It's not a requirement. Our Heavenly Father has given to us bountifully, has He not? Who would testify this morning that whether rich or poor, you have lived a bountiful life? By show of hands. That's right. That's right. We've lived a bountiful life. 
in that fullness and in that wealth are we to become like pack rats? I'm not talking about being like the ant and storing up for the future. But I'm talking about loving it so much that we pack it up, we take it to the grave with us, and then it's ultimately distributed to somebody else because we didn't use it while we were here. Are we to be like that? Or are we to recognize where these provisions come from and place a portion of that back into the Lord's hands as good stewards and say, Lord, you use it as you wish. I think that we know the answer and we know that the latter is the one. I've seen churches hoard money. And as those excess small churches of a million dollars. For what? Why? To build up their own kingdom? To build a gymnasium? Instead of going out into the world with it? What's the purpose? What's, what's, why, why would we do that? There's needs and, and, and things that we need to be helping and, and going to and, and helping people with all around us. I want you to understand that this giving that the early church was doing was not only for the spread of the gospel. It was not only for the spread of the gospel, but they were laying down a pattern for us of a gospel lifestyle. Do we understand that? They were showing us what it would be like to be a child of God. They were showing us what it would be like to be living as little Christs. Do you know that Christ Jesus, from the time he came in to the time that he left, he gave and 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 he gave. Until he gave his life for the church, for his bride. That's how much he loved her. He gave all that he had. What does he expect from his children? If the Lord has entrusted great resources, great wealth, or even a little wealth, and few resources unto us, we must, must be faithful to give with hands open. We must be faithful to give with hands open. This early church was not a form of socialism, as some have suggested. It was not a form of communism, as some have suggested, or a dictatorship. This early church government and their giving was out of a cheerful heart to meet the needs of those in the church that, the, that had need. And so that the gospel would be spread. It's called the gospel lifestyle. The head of this early church was and still is Christ. Ruling and reigning over this government called the church. He's the brains of the operation. He gives us the wisdom on how to distribute these resources through the Holy Spirit. And we're to be faithful with what he has given unto us. If the church sees a need... The church needs to meet that need. 
If the Spirit prompts us to give, we are to give. Especially to those of the household of faith. Those that are brothers and sisters in Christ. But the church must be careful in doing this. The church must be wise in discerning when and where and how to give. Paul teaches us very clearly in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10, if anyone is not willing to work, he should what? Not eat either. So what about giving to these? It's hard. It's hard to make these decisions and hard to know what to do. And that's where we pray and we seek the Lord's guidance. In the same hand, we go to those people that are slothful. We go to those people that are not working. And we go to them and we stress the importance of the gospel lifestyle. We stress to them work. We stress to them using their hands and keeping their hands busy. Teaching them to observe the laws of God's word. Discipling them. And it takes work on the church's part to do that. Let's move on to 46. Let's, let's go get past that. I don't want to spend any more time on that. 46, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And I'm, and I'm just about done, so y'all just bear with me. Listen to what it says. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. We have a few times that we meet here in this, this shell of, of a place, this, this building. A few times that we meet a week. And, you know, it's not by any means a, a requirement. You have to do X, Y, and Z. But they were meeting here day by day. This gospel lifestyle that they were leading led them to meet together daily. It led them to eat together daily. It led them to share with each other daily. It says that they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Day by day. The gospel lifestyle. So is that necessary for us to do nowadays? I think some degree, yeah. We have three times that we meet on the week. I think it's important that when we do meet, we come together. We fellowship with one another. This bunch likes to eat. No doubt, this bunch likes to eat. I think it's good that we eat. I think it's good that we fellowship in the back and that we talk about God's Word and the Apostles' teachings. I think it's healthy for the church to do those things. But I also think that it is critical for the church to have an open hand to those that are in need. Plain and simple. It says that they were generous. They had very generous hearts. And they were glad when they were having these generous hearts. They were glad. 
They didn't do it begrudgingly. Oh, I got to go to church and give that tithe. I got to go and give that offering or somebody over here is sick and they need this or that. They did it with a glad heart. They worshiped together. They ate together at each other's tables. And they spent time with one another. 47, and I'm done. Listen to what it says. Praising God and having favor. Now listen to all of these things that he said, 42 through 47. Have we seen anything in here that is hard to comprehend? That he requires the local church to do. We don't see anything in here that's hard to understand, that's hard to comprehend. It's quite easy, in fact. Not, Not in practice, but to understand it, it's quite easy. It says in 47 that they were praising God. That's another thing that they were doing. They were worshiping together and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. The King James renders this, and I think it's a better interpretation on this in this passage of Scripture. And if you look up the meanings behind it, I think you'll find that to be the case. But the King James renders the end of this verse in 47. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. These that were being saved were not by coincidence, but rather by divine order. The gospel was preached. And the church was called. The gospel was preached and those that were lost, it pricked their hearts just as we see in Acts 2 further up in the text or further back in the text. And they came to the forefront to receive Christ. The gospel was preached and the called came into the flock. In 47 it says, in the King James, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So what are we looking at? What, what are we seeing here? What is it that 42 through 47 is showing us that people are always trying to get back to the, the New Testament church? I'll tell you. It's a gospel lifestyle. It's a simple one too. I don't know if we can see that or not, but it's a simple one. It's not hard to understand. It's, very, it's quite easy to understand. If anyone has made it difficult, it has been, the, it has been the, the people in the church that's made it difficult. God's Word is not difficult here. It just isn't. It is, it is clear what the Lord wants of us. And that's the gospel lifestyle. And as Christians, this is what we are to be displaying. Amen? So how do we adjust ourselves to this gospel lifestyle? Well, read over the text, 42 through 47. What part of it is is pinching you? What part of it is 
is grabbing at you and saying, you could do better. Is it, is it love? Is it love? Aurora? Colton? Oh, that one. Diddle. Diddle said that. It's love. <laughs> There's a lot of these different things that we can work on as individuals in our church to fulfill this gospel-centered lifestyle. This is what he has called us to. The apostles' teachings, fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers, being together in agape love, selling if need be our possessions and our belongings, the things that are valuable, having hands that are open, ready and willing to give out of cheerful hearts, glad hearts, generous hearts. Meeting needs of those that are less, less fortunate. Praising God and, and, and lifting up who He is. This is what He requires of the New Testament church. And it's called the Gospel Lifestyle. Where does it hit you at? Where does it pinch you? If it does at all, correct yourself and move on. He's given us this so that we could look more like the New Testament church, be the New Testament church. This is not in here for no reason. It's no coincidence that he, that he puts this about money and giving in here. The last part of this text, 45 following about being generous and giving. It's for a reason. There's needs that we have to be met. And in this season especially, guys, listen to me. In this season, I put a text out to as many people as I could the other day. Very simple. The senior sitter needs, needs washing powder. It needs Dawn dishwashing detergent. Toilet paper, paper towels. If everybody in here just bought one of those things and took it over there or brought it to the church, can you imagine how much of a blessing it would be for one widow woman who counts every single penny all the way down to the penny? She can tell you if she has $7 left over at the end of the month or at the end of the week. Can you imagine what it would do if she just was to receive something little like a bottle of Dawn dishwashing detergent? Or a roll of paper towels. I'll tell you what she would say. Because I've seen them receive it. I'll tell you what they would say. Thank you. You know why? Because they just saved $5. Now they got $5 extra. And that's adding to the bottom line at the end of the month. Guys, we can do so much. We may be small, but we can do great things. If our hands are open and our hearts are full. And so I challenge you in this giving season to not be selfish, to look on the needs of others before ourselves. And when we look on the needs of others before ourselves, don't just look on them, but act on them as well. Go and do that.
Buy somebody's groceries. Bless somebody's heart. If somebody in the church you know is, have, is down and, and something is taking place, bring it to the church's attention. Come tell me about it. There's a lot that we can do in this gospel lifestyle. And 42 through 47 tells us clearly what we're to do and how we're to do those things. And so I pray that as children of God that we would be able to live this lifestyle. Everybody's got a lifestyle that they're living. I pray that we would live this one. Amen? Let's pray.